You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. We're going to miss Miss Jill as she goes off to Providence, and uh, as we miss Brashawn and Mia, and uh, it's good to have Miss Desi back. Who else am I missing? Miss Belia? Brother Christian, we don't really miss Brother Christian. We miss Miss Alana, for sure. Am I missing anybody? How could I forget Stephanie? My goodness, it's the medication. I promise you it's the medication. I love how many people have been coming up to me and, oh, you must be in so much pain when you preach because I'm sure you're not medicated while you're preaching. I'm like, no. (laughs) Of course not. I'm actually not right now and uh, no caffeine today, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but uh, I was praying about what to preach to you tonight, and as soon as I watched Sunday night's service, and I saw what the teenagers had to say, and what the chaperones had to say, I knew what I was going to preach, and I'll tell you this, church, and I'll, we do have a special youth group, and uh, young people, I'll tell you this, I saw... A, f- a fire in you and all of you. I saw something in the group that I'm afraid we had lost for a little while. And I'm glad to see it back. And I want us to keep it. And I want to talk about how we all can have a part in that tonight. Uh, let's stand as we turn to Judges chapter 1. Judges is not a good book. It starts great. It ends horribly. I actually just read the last few chapters of Judges in my personal devotions. And oh my goodness, what is happening at the end of Judges is heartbreaking to see how quickly and how drastically God's people can fall when they get away from the Lord And when they refuse to follow spiritual leadership. But here, it is just after the death of Joshua. And what we're going to see by the end of Judges, the book of Judges ends with, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What the Lord is slowly bringing into the forefront in the Old Testament is that Israel needed spiritual leadership. They needed a man in charge. As long as they had Moses, they did well, for the most part. When the Lord told Moses that he was not going to be in the promised land, one of Moses' last requests to God was, please find a replacement for me. And then Joshua stood up. But now Joshua is dead. And you see throughout The book, whenever there is a judge that rises up, Israel does okay, but as soon as the judge dies, they go back down. And it's this constant spiral. If you want to view judges this way, they start at the peak of righteousness and inheriting the land and obedience, and then they fall. 
and then they repent here and they start to come back up through a judge, but they never get as high as they were. And they peak, but when the judge dies, they fall again and they repent and the Lord raises up another judge and they come up again, but not as high as they were. And it's a slow spiral down to where at the very end, you can't tell the difference between God's people and the world. Even when they are trying to do things in the most religious way possible. But here we start with some good. And I want to focus on that. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? We read in the book of Joshua that under his leadership, there were many areas of, the, of Canaan land that were taken over. But when Joshua was old, well stricken in years, the Bible said, there is still much land to be possessed. So they divided the land into the lots of the different tribes. They knew where they were supposed to go. And now their question is, who goes up first? Judah goes up first. Judah is the largest and strongest tribe. Judah is the tribe that carries the Messianic promise. And so it is an Old Testament show that as the Lord always goes before us, Judah is going to go before. But notice this. The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, come up with me. Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. You can read a little later in Judges that Simeon's portion was actually within the borders of Judah. Very cool. And Judah went up. And the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. You notice in verse 2, I've delivered it into his hand, talking about Judah. Verse 4, I've delivered it into their hand. Now talking about Judah and Simeon. And they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. That is no small victory right there. 10,000 men. Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word as only you can. If there is one in here who does not know you as Savior... Lord, let the gospel come through clearly in this message and let them be saved. Do not let them run for your, from your conviction, but to accept it. Bless the two who are taking the next step of obedience and baptism. Help our church as she grows and comes closer to you. Lord, be with the spirits that are down. Be with the bodies that are weak and tired. Be with the minds that are confused. Be with those who are discouraged and help them to find everything that they need in you tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My wife was able to teach a split session while she was up at Kite River and Love. I listened to it today, and you did a wonderful job. What she was trying to convey to the teenagers and young ladies you probably remember is how much of a blessing young people can be to a church. I know that many of you, by your own personal testimony, said that when you first started coming to Heritage Baptist Church, it was the young people that attracted you and that showed you that there was something different going on here. And your blessings to us in many different ways. But I have to tell you, as your pastor, what has really blessed me this last week was the decisions that you made. And I watched the testimony night. And you know what? I watched a couple other churches' testimony nights. And I observed those teenagers as I observed our teenagers. I observed those teenagers from the other churches during the invitation time as I observed ours during the invitation time. 
Young people, you may have us fooled. But I believe what we saw this last week was sincere. I believe what we heard on Sunday night was sincere. Decisions were made by our young people this last week. Decisions that could very well affect their lives, their families, generations to come, and our church even now. No decisions can be made without humility. And our teenagers showed that this last week. So don't get proud that I'm calling you humble. No decision can be made without humility because you have to admit I am not who I am supposed to be. But then no decision can be made without honesty. I am not who I am supposed to be. And a decision, you need to be honest not only with yourself, but you need to be honest with others. And that's where many adults fall short. If we get past the the pride portion, if we humble ourselves, we'll come up to an altar and we'll be honest with ourselves, but we're not honest with others. And we had young people, I had young people coming up to me. They didn't have to come up to me. They went up to Brother Ben. They went up to Miss Emily. They went up to their specific youth pastors and youth pastors' wives. I was up on the platform. They didn't need to come up to me. I had many young people come up to me and hang their heads in humility and say, this is what I've been doing wrong. And they were specific about it. And that's why I know that what we're seeing is sincere. But I can't just limit that to the young people. I've seen that happen church-wide. I've seen church-wide decisions being made. I've seen some go in the wrong way. I've seen many go in the right way. But in these church-wide decisions where I see humility and honesty, I'm encouraged. Some of you, the decisions you've made have been regarding your faithfulness. You want to be more faithful in church. Some of you, it's regarding your Bible reading. You want to read more consistently, or you want to read more, or you want to study more. Some of you, it's been regarding your prayer life. Some of you, it's been regarding your, your mouth. Some of you, it's been about your negativity or your complaining. Some of you, your decision, you've come up and told me, I've wanted to quit, but I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going in my family. I'm going to keep going in my marriage. I'm going to keep going with my kids. I'm going to keep going with my ministry. I'm going to keep going in my walk of faith. Many of you have come up to me recently with humility and honesty and said, I'm just going to continue even though the devil is tempting me to quit. Some of you, your decision has been about soul winning. Your decision has been about giving. Your decision has been about just your service overall. And that's the purpose of preaching, you know, to bring us to a point of decision. Preaching is a crisis matter. I do, not, I do not believe that if a message does not bring you to a point of decision, that it can be called preaching. I only believe it can be called Bible preaching if it forces you to decide whether to grow closer to the Lord or grow further away from Him by rejecting Him. If you can come to church and leave the same way you came, preaching did not occur. You will either leave tonight closer to the Lord or further away. 
you will not leave neutral. That's what preaching is supposed to do. So if we're not seeing decisions in our church, there's something wrong. Let me ask you this. If I was not preaching for decisions, if I was just coming up and giving you just a little ditty, and isn't this kind of cool about our Lord, and never brought you to application, Brother James, wouldn't you say something? As a man in this church, wouldn't you say something if I was not preaching for decisions? Brother George, would you not say something as a man in this church if I was not preaching for decisions? Brother Danny? Brother Mike? Brother Landon? Brother Matt? Brother Ralph? Brother Steve? Brother Dane? Brother Josh? Brother Luke? Brother Riley? If I was not preaching for decisions, would you not say something? Then last, let me ask you this. If you're not making decisions, should I not say something? Would you not be worried if I wasn't preaching for decisions? Should I not be worried if you're not making them? Let me ask you this. If I were to say tonight, I'm done with invitation. I'm done with altar call. No more. Would you not wonder why, Brother Haven? Would you not wonder why, Brother Ben? Would you not be worried, Brother Bradley? No more altar call, no more invitation. Brother Jesse, would that bother you? Then church, if you don't respond in the altar call, should I not be bothered? If I canceled altar call tonight, it wouldn't affect the majority of you. Is that because you're not making decisions? No. Do you have to use the altar to make a decision? No. But a decision does require humility and honesty. A lot of people, when they're looking for a church, say that they're looking for specific elements in that church. And I will not go to a church that doesn't do this. But then you find a church that does it, and you don't partake. I would never go to a church that doesn't have a sewing program, but you don't go sewing. I would never be a part of a church that didn't have an altar call, but you don't use it. And if you would be bothered if I canceled altar call, should I not be bothered if you don't use it? Because decisions are what bring change. Scripture without decisions is ineffective. Right? Scripture is open to everybody. Plenty of people have scripture. You know, a lot of these heathen celebrities have even a King James Bible in their house. They have scripture in their house. They quote it in their speeches. And yet they live like hell. Why? No decisions. Scripture without decisions is ineffective. Decisions are what bring change in our life. So decision is what I'm shooting for. Decisions are vital.
in our walk of faith. Yet, they are not enough. It is not enough to make decisions, Brother John. It's not enough to make decisions, Brother Joe. You've got to keep decisions. And what we're seeing here in this passage is a making and a keeping of decisions. Anybody can make a decision. It takes a little something extra to keep it. The devil knows how to keep many people from making decisions. I observe it every invitation. But then, what did I tell you? Oh, I think it was Jeremy. Where's Jeremy? Is he in the nursery? Here you are. (laughs) Jeremy, have you caught up on sleep? You liar. (laughs) Wasn't you that I told 95%? And it's true, man. 95% of those kids that made decisions this last week aren't going to keep them. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. So what is a decision? For our purposes tonight, what is a decision? It is a response to God's command. And what I told you is you're going to to decide tonight. You're either going to decide positively or negatively, right? Let's focus on the positively. Can we do that? Let's focus on the positively. When you hear from Scripture and you say yes, you don't say no. That's what I'm talking about, about a decision being made, a decision for Christ, a decision for the Lord. Now, with this in mind, we can find much in common with this passage of Scripture. What was Judah's command? So if a a decision is a positive response to God's command, what was Judah's command? Judah's command was fight with the Canaanites. That was their command. What was their decision? Yes, sir. We will obey. We will go up. But now I want you to think about the importance. I want you to think of the importance of this battle that God is telling them to fight. This is their first battle after Joshua dies. If they lose this battle, what is it going to do to Israel's morale? You can answer. I'm not that angry. What what is this going to do to Israel's morale if they lose this? What is it going to do to Israel's reputation? Joshua's dead and they lose their first reputation. What what are the people going to think? It was all Joshua. This is an important battle. They cannot lose this one. And it wasn't an easy one. Brother Ben, you and I remember playing some kids in, in tournament where we knew we were going to win. We were going to go out as starters, and we were going to rack up the points in the first quarter, and then we were going to sit, and we were going to let our freshmen and the bench do the rest of the work. It was a must win, but it was a gonna win, right? But there were other times where it was a must win, and we didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen. This was an important fight. This was an important decision. This was something that they needed to win. But it was difficult. 10,000 
10,000 Canaanites they were going up against. And if you look back in Joshua, there were some Canaanites that were easily conquered. Remember, the ones that are still hanging out are the ones that have iron chariots, the ones that are entrenched, the ones that are well-versed in warfare. There's a reason they're still alive, even after Joshua went through the land. These are hard ones. This is an important battle, and it was a difficult battle. They were entrenched. There was 10,000 of them, and if they lose this, it's going to be a big shot to take. There was a possibility of losing. So what was Judah's idea? Simeon, help me. Help me fight this battle. That's a wise idea. Judah's command was go and fight with the Canaanites. What's your command? I don't know what it is. But hopefully you have decided positively. For some of you, this last week, it was cut down your screen time. That was your command. Kill the Canaanite of social media. For some of you, it was read your Bible. For some of you, it was cut out your video games. We had a young man this last week tell a couple of us leaders, I, I tallied up my screen time. I'm averaging 13 hours a day. We heard from parents this last week. I could not take away my child's phone. There would be mutiny. There's something wrong there, Mom. There's something wrong there, Dad. I don't know where it went wrong, but it's been going wrong for a long time. If you are scared of your child, I'm taller than my dad. I'm bigger than my dad. My dad ain't scared of me. I've tried to intimidate him once. I came into a very intimate relationship with the basement stairs. They're harder than you think. I had other parents say, oh, well, here's what we did. We said only one hour a day. Parents, let me help you. Your child comes up to you. You realize they're addicted to these things. Okay? They're addicted to these things. Which shows me that for a kid to come up and say, I'm done with it, that is just as big as an adult saying, I'm putting away my marijuana. Yeah. It is an addiction. They're addicted to it. I know it sounds ridiculous, and frankly, it kind of is, but they're addicted. And the games and the phones and social media is designed for that. And some of you adults should know that because you're just as addicted. So if your child were to come up to you, Brother Haven, and say, I'm addicted to marijuana, all right, only one, only one a day. <laughs> Dumb. Come on, guys. When you go up to the Lord and say, Lord, I've lost control of my mouth, all right, only one curse word a day. I wish I had that. 
we got to be smarter with this. For some of you, your command from the Lord was to attend more or to continue or to, to cut out habits or to cut out some friends or to raise your standards or to change your ideas or to purge some things. I, I, I don't know what it might be. Hopefully your decision is yes, sir. And I hope you see that's an important battle. Young people, reading your Bible now and getting into a relationship with God's word now, that's an important battle. Getting rid of your games now is an important battle because I'm dealing with adults who are controlled by that box. You're controlled by it. And right now, when you're controlled by it, you're killing some brain cells. Sir, when you're controlled by it, you're killing your family. You're killing your work. You're killing your job. You're killing your future. It's an important battle for the Lord to say, I want you to continue in that relationship. That's an important battle to win, brother. But it's a difficult one too, isn't it? It's not that easy to put down your phone, is it? It's not that easy. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read my Bible. And you just open it up and, and hummingbirds fly out. And the next day you just kind of float out of bed and the Bible opens and you understand everything. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. But it must be one. It must be one. There are some battles you just can't lose. And we're losing too much. I preached Sunday night at Northwest, and here's, here's how Pastor Kavanaugh ended. And the, the, the man of God said in one sentence, better than I was trying to say in an hour, or maybe an hour and a half. He said, the greatest burden to pastors is when their church members get good at losing. And we've just gotten good at losing. And we've gotten content with losing. There are some battles that we cannot lose. But there's a possibility to because they're difficult. What do you do? Simeon, can you help me? There are some lessons to learn here. Judah was the, the strongest and largest tribe. Simeon was one of the weakest. Now they had some military might. They were soldiers. But according to the last census, they whittled down to only 22,000. It's pretty small. Judah gets, a, gets an allotment of land that's too big for them. And so they have an idea. Well, Simeon, why don't you come up and help us? Judah and Simeon shared family. They had the same mom, same dad. They were both Leah's boys. You know what that family tells me? Differences don't matter when you're family. At the end of the day, when you're family, you put the differences aside and you fight for one another. And you help one another. You may not always like each other, but we're family. And other people, uh, and, and I, can, I can bug you and you can bug me, but if anybody else bugs you, uh-uh. That's family. 
and they shared land. You know what that meant? It meant that Judah's victories were Simeon's victories and Simeon's victories were Judah's victories. It means if Simeon lost, Judah lost. And if Judah lost, Simeon lost. So church, do you not see we're family? And yes, we're different. And yes, we don't always like each other. But we're family. And we put those aside and we fight for each other, not with each other. You know why? Because Miss Christine and Brother Eduardo, when you win, I win. And when I win, you win. Because we share common interests. And young man, when you win, I win. And if you keep the decisions you made last week, we win, church. Because a member has become stronger. If he fails to keep the decisions that he made, oh, he's just a kid. How old are you? 14. 14. Seen, not heard, right? No. If he does not keep the decisions that he made this last week, our church is weaker. So, really quick lesson. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) Lesson number one. Never be too big and strong to ask for help. Carelessness loses battles, yes. Ignorance loses battles, yes. And weariness loses battles, yes. Nothing loses more battles than pride. And so many Canaanites still dwell in our hearts, and so many battles are being lost, and so many decisions we make are not kept because we don't ask for help. Because we're too proud. I can tell you of a situation this year, this year, where I counseled with somebody who was dealing with their temper. And instead of letting me help, instead of letting me help, they bucked. Mind your business. And what they did is they admitted, yeah, yeah, I got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem. And this was their decision. I'm going to take a huge step back and I'm just going to recluse. And that's what they did. They just, they just kept to themselves. They cut back on everything. And I knew it was only going to be a matter of time. What they should have done was, Pastor, I have a problem. Please help. Humility, honesty. And there would have been victory. There would have been victory. Not because I'm anything special. But church, I am your pastor. And I do love you and I'm here to help you. So what is your decision? I don't know what it is. I hope you see it's important. I hope you see it's not going to be easy. Don't be too proud to ask your spouse for help. Don't be too proud to ask your pastor for help. I'm not your priest. I don't need to know details. But I will help you. Don't be too proud to ask my wife for help. And these two for help. 
And don't be too proud to ask an elder in this church for help. In fact, there's many things where if you're going to come up to me, I'm going to say, talk to that person because they know. Don't be too proud to ask your Sunday school teacher for help. Judah, so big and strong. The mighty fall too. Don't be too proud to ask Simeon for help. Check in with me, please. Brother Landon, what, what, have, we, what have we done? I've, I've called in. I've called in help from another tribe. And I said, Brother Landon, I'm busy. I'm going crazy with this. And I need to stay in my Bible. Would you text me every day? And you said, yeah, would you do the same thing? And we've, we've done it, haven't we? Let's check in one with another. And we've done it. Brother Mark is keeping me accountable for our prayer time. Check in with me. And if you see me getting out of it, correct me. Amen. Correct me. And when I'm really struggling with it, can I communicate with you? Can I call you even if it's one in the morning saying I'm struggling with this? I'm tempted with this. I've got the bottle in my hand. I have the cigarette and the lighter in my hand. Can I call you so that you can talk me off the ledge? That's help. Never be too big or too strong to ask for help. Lesson number two, never be too busy or too cold not to give help. Simeon had their own battles. But Simeon said, yes, I'd love to help. And how cold do you have to be, church member, to look back at somebody who's struggling in their battle and say, well, hope they figure it out. How dwells the love of Christ in him? As much as Judah must be humble enough to ask, Simeon must be loving enough to give it. And I appreciate Judah's mentality throughout it all. He didn't just say, hey, you help me. He said, you help me, and when it comes time to help you, I will help you too. And some of you are all good for asking for help, and you're terrible at giving it. You're all good when, to ask when you have bills, but when you find out somebody else has bills, you slink away. We are all here to help each other. Right. Simeon didn't complain. You're going to ask me when I have all this stuff that I'm dealing with? I only have 22,000 people. What are we going to do? He didn't complain. He didn't condemn. You're the biggest tribe there is. You can't figure it out yourself? Shouldn't you be further along? Come on. We like that in America, don't we? We like seeing the big guy fail. That's why you watch Fox News. Because they all make fun of the president. You realize if Biden fails, we fail. That poor old man. If he fails, we fail. Oh, but everyone wants to see him fail. Simeon, don't be rooting for Judah to fail. Why don't you help him win? He didn't complain. He didn't condemn. He didn't hesitate. I'm in. I'm in. Where do you need me? Because once again, he saw if Judah wins, I win. And if I win, Judah wins. We're all on the same side. Help each other. Last one. Teamwork doesn't reveal weakness. It produces strength. Do you read this story 
these four verses. Do you read these four verses, Pop, and think, look at how weak Judah was. He had to ask for help. Or do you think, look at how wise Judah was. Because he went from the possibility of losing to ensuring victory by just asking for a little help. I don't see why, I don't see weakness there, Brother Ben. I see wisdom there. And the Lord, let's not give Judah too much credit now, though, right? And let's not give Simeon too much credit. The Lord delivered the Canaanites into their hand. So when you read your Bible, you got to ask yourself some questions, right? Ask yourself, what does it reveal about people? What does it reveal about people? So what do we reveal here? Well, there's, there's battles to be fought. There's fear that comes with battles. There's planning that's needed in battles. That's what it reveals about people. And since we are people, what does it reveal about me? Well, I have battles. And planning is required for me, as it requires them. But then you have to ask yourself, what does it reveal about God? And what does this story reveal about God, Brother Jesse, but that, but that the Lord, the Lord helps those in life who help each other in love. That's what this reveals about our God. The Lord helps those in life who help each other in love. God loves teamwork. He loves unity. He loves walking together in the same way for the same purpose. Does he not call the church a body? He loves when all the members of the body are on the same page. It incites action from our God. So help each other. Help these young people keep their decisions. Young people, you need to be okay with going up to your parents and say, I made a decision about my phone, and you and I both know I can't keep it. And teenager, you against the phone, Listen, listen to me. That's a battle you better win. That's a battle you better win. But it's a battle you can lose on your own. You and your parents, that phone doesn't stand a chance. You know that? <laughs> whatever those parasites and parasites, what, what, whatever they were, when they saw just Judah lining up, they thought, you know what? We, we might have this. And then they saw Simeon show up, and they thought, oh, man. Church member, you and your faithfulness to church, that's a battle you better win. But it's a battle you very possibly can lose, along with a lot of other people who have lost it. But you and an entire row of people, because you always sit in the same spot. I know. Brother Luke's gum is all under here. <laughs> you and an entire row that look down and say, hey, Whenever you see me not in this seat, text me. Hey, that faithfulness Canaanite doesn't stand a chance now because Judah and Simeon have come together. But that's a battle you better win. You and your Bible, you and giving, you and your marriage, you and your kids, whatever it is, that's a battle you better win, but it's a battle you very possibly can lose alone. Why are you alone? When you have tribes of people here to help you. I'll tell you what will keep you. Pride and dishonesty.
Pride and dishonesty will keep you from decisions. Humility and honesty will keep your decisions. So who will be humble and honest? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.